Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Hey everybody, welcome to the QuiverCast, where we chat with surfers from all around the world, from all walks of life, and we get their story. Find us at www.thequivercast.com. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike here with the QuiverCast. Coming in from Hawaii. I believe you're at home, right? In Hawaii? Yes, I'm at home. Tony Moniz, Hawaiian legend. How are you doing? I'm doing good, actually. Yeah, thanks. How's that waves at home right now? You know what? May's been a, a gif of waves on the North Shore. We had a swell last week that everybody's enjoying. I'm on the South Shore, born and raised on the South Shore. Uh, and they're expecting another swell in May. That's rare. You know, not really? good coming. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's been a slow winter. Spring has been very minimum. So the guys are are pretty psyched to have something in the window for next week. Are both shores breaking? You can surf town year-round, right? On the South Shore? Town year-round, but wintertime, it's known to be smaller. Smaller, yeah. It's weather pattern's been weird, man. Town's been, you know, for town, it's been pretty consistent, even during the wintertime. So the winds are sometimes better in the winter there, right? If you want fun yeah, waves. Yeah, the winds, the winds are, you know, talking about patterns changing, even the, the wind patterns, you know, we get a lot of Kona wind, which means southeast, southwest winds that's on shore, in the, on the south shore. Southeast on the North Shore at Pipe, that's what you want, a nice little southeast wind. But then you go on the other side of the island around Kahuku and uh, Mokalaia that gets straight offshore. So it's always a place to be the right conditions most mm-hmm. of the times. You're on an island, so you can you figure that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always offshore somewhere, right? Somewhere has got to be offshore. So let's start way in the beginning. I mean, obviously, you you grew up on an island, so surfing's kind of there. But what really got you into surfing? Yeah, it's part of the family heritage. We were always at the beach. My dad's side, uh, my uncle was really into the ocean. My mom's side, we had all the, the fishermen's there on the Otter Island in Molokai. I spent a lot of time there, back and forth on the islands. I... Learned a lot about the mountain as well. Mm. My dad was into horses, but the dirt bike riding is where um, I spent a lot of time. Until this day, I still spend more time in the mountains riding nowadays than than surfing. I guess because you just go through phases, you know, the passion. I'm just following what I feel. I haven't really had too much passion about jumping out and surfing too much. I do, but, you know, I spend a lot of time dirt bike riding in the trails. I just came back from Kauai, and they have um, Heron Hound trail races there that are really uh, 
popular on the islands and it's brutal it's challenging it's it's very physical and hard to explain how hard it is yeah i was just there this past weekend i probably did the last seven events um in the last three years on Kauai. on the dirt bike riding side is i mean is that fun is it dangerous i mean or is it pretty mellow like it's fun it's dangerous I have comments of people saying, hey, you, you know, you're up there in age. Isn't it too dangerous? And my answer would be, well, getting my car is way more dangerous than going into mountains where there's no traffic. Yeah, there's risks involved, but I got to live, you know, I yeah. got to live. I got to play hard. And if I get hurt, which I do get hurt quite a bit, some can be, you know, harsher than other injuries, but. It's something that I love to do, and that's my, it's pretty much my escape, getting away from the busyness of Waikiki and running my business. I like going, what we say, Malka is the mountain, and just serenity. I love that part about it. And also, staying fit, it helps me to keep my condition up. About three years ago, I had prostate cancer. It was a game changer for me um, with life. You know, dealing with that and going into mountains really, really helped me cure myself, along with changing all the other habits, eating habits, all that stuff that helped. But mindset, it helped me 100%. Just played hard. All through COVID, I rode five to seven days, got a dirt bike, went deep in the mountains, social distanced myself from society. Here on the islands, we have just a lot of trails all over the island. You just need to know where to go and how to get there. Yeah, so I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. You make it sound super fun. I'm sure it's fun. What about animals and stuff like that? Are you coming across like crazy, like the wild boars? The beauty, we, mostly boars, you know, yeah. on this island, a lot of pigs. And then there's there's areas where the farmers, the ranchers, and there's you see cows and bulls and matter of fact talking about that i mean i've never ever heard anyone getting attacked by any animals in the mountain here you know mostly we deal with boars but just the other day i heard a bull a big bull attacked a girl on her bike like no like kind of took her out a little bit no okay you know but yeah And, and and we run across you know cows and bulls uh, when we get up cl- close to the ranches, sometimes they, you know they they break through the fence and they get out. It's kind of scary when you see them. Otherwise, you never think about them. Yeah, you, know, you may run into a, a pig crossing your path just in a panic mode, mm-hmm. you know, like a deer on the highway. But there's no big predators in Hawaii, anyhow, right? Yeah, we don't have all the snakes and all that yeah. kind of stuff to worry about. So it's really cool. So you started surfing, just hanging out with the family at the beach. How did it progress? Especially you being in town, there's a lot more surfers probably than anywhere else on the island. Yeah. So our generation, think about it. Most of the most of the legendary surfers grew up in town. Yeah. You know, you're talking where Duke Kahanamoku started. Yeah. His journey right there in Waikiki. Yeah. My dad was a fireman, so we lived in a place called Haula. It's around Kahuku on the north side. By the time I was five years old, he got transferred in town. So we stayed in town all of my life. And Waikiki was the stomping ground for just my whole surfing 
career to this day, um, it taught me a lot, you know, not just the ocean, but adjusting with people, especially now, you know, it just got crowded. And I used to hear a lot of stories about Uncle Duke, Kanemoku. Yeah. And, and as a young boy, it inspired me. That really inspired me. Not so much that he was a great surfer, but he was a great man. And he shared surfing around the world and brought that word aloha to people from, you know, from the bottom of his heart. That's how he operated. That's who I, I looked at and went, wow, I want to be like that. I want to be that. I didn't know surfing was going to take me around the world. It was just a passion for the ocean. Surfing, it educated me in many, many ways. I had a hard time in school. I grew up just not having a good experience going to school. And it's not because I didn't want to learn. It was the fear of teachers and getting caught out in front of the class to solve a problem or read oh, something. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in the fifth, sixth grade, when you're real young, kids are mean, you know, you get laughed at and that. And I was totally a different, I looked different. I was different from all the kids in my class because I was dark. I had dreadlocks pretty much. My hair mm -hmm. was just bleached and shredded out. Never, ever, you know, I didn't comb my hair. I never, I couldn't brush my hair. It was like buttons. <laughs> I was like buttons, but even more, you know, I wish I had more photos. Um, so, <laughs> so I think, I think the old school with having uh, the Asian teachers in Hawaii, yeah. I think that one Mr. Ching just couldn't handle me. So he just put me up in front of the class over and over again. And I hated him. And I ran away from school. I ran through the ocean. The, the ocean just nurtured me in a way that I didn't even know. That was my, my go-to place to hide out. I, I would skip class for two weeks straight at a time. This is going on for a while until I finally, I finally got caught. And how I got caught was I was across the street put in air in my bicycle with the surfboard on the ground. And one of the teachers saw me and they said, Hey, Tony, imagine that I was 10 years old surfboard. I'm going to paddle my bicycle board in hand and going to Waikiki. And I was kind of far away. I grew up in Kalihi. Fast forward on that. They called my parents and my parents didn't know anything. Dad was at the fire department overnight. Yeah. Mom was at the hotel working and little Tony was in Waikiki surfing all day for, and just the fear of going to school. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, the teacher-parent conference and all that stuff. And here I am sitting outside their meeting, and then they call me in and, and you know, trying to figure out why isn't this boy coming to school? Mm -hmm. And it was teacher, counselor, principal, my parents, on this round table and they got me in in front of them. They just asked the question, you know, why aren't you going to school? And I looked at my teacher and I pointed my finger and I said, it's because of you. And I said, I hate you. I don't like you. That's why wow. I'm going to school because of what he did. So yeah. that really kind of ruined me in a sense of wanting to educate myself, wanting to learn, wanting to be in school. And then they sent me away 
in the seventh grade and went up the the rest of the year that sixth grade I was getting tutored and all that and and then it's put me in the special class special ed class now I'm up with the seventh eighth and ninth graders so the school's bigger you know you yeah. got going through that puberty and I was fucking pissed off I was mm-hmm. I was like a raging bull inside of me. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't have anybody really to share what I was going through. It was just, I didn't know how. So I just continued to surf and, and do that. And, and other sports, every indi- individual sport that I did, it helped me. Like boxing, uh, motocross racing, it, it, that was where my, my love was. So surfing was always there with me. It was always a place where I, I love and, you know, followed the journey and out of high school, I knew I wasn't going to go to college. You know, I, I was a hundred, 150%. Yeah. There's no more education for me. Yeah. So they put me back into regular classes and I was like a, went back into regular classes, I clammed up. I couldn't trust any teacher at all. Mm-hmm. And I just barely got through with these. And we got away. You made it. I didn't, yeah, I made it. I didn't learn shit. I didn't learn nothing in high school. Absolutely nothing. Nothing zero. Because it was just easy to skip through the, through the yeah. grades. You know, yeah. you just show up. You'll get a D. Yeah. And I just showed but, up. It sounds but, like you learned anxiety, maybe. Like, yeah, I was just scared. Yeah. Of getting Crazy. called out and singled out, I was really scared of that. Were there other kids missing school with you in your in your age bracket? Other oh yeah, similar. There was there was a group of us that yeah would. Hey man, let's go surf. Yes, <laughs> that's good. I mean, and then know. what? You said boxing. When did you start boxing? Pretty young. My dad was a boxer, and I've always played around with that. Yeah, you know, from real young, and growing up, and in Kalihi, which is all around the projects, you know, mm-hmm. all the houses. And those guys are all my friends. So that's how I started. And in my generation, it was just fist fight. You know, there was the etiquette of no kicking if it's on the ground, no wrestling. It was just up and up. That was the etiquette on the street. So I did a lot of that. You could do that every day. And we used to actually have, even in my young adulthood life, late teens, we used to gather around the projects and just have a smoker of a fight. Everybody around in a circle, put on the gloves. You can stay in there as long as you want. Wow. And yeah, it was, was, was crazy. It was fun. And that's when I was actually also going to the ring and training properly and, you know, running and. You're fit. Yeah, I was fit. I was, I was so fit. I could stay in that ring and go with five, 10 guys if I wanted to. Wow. Because any any weight, anyone who wants to jump in, throw the gloves. But at the same time, I was pretty controlled, you know? It was in, no one took the glove off and got pissed and wanted to fight. Everybody just left it right there on the on the grass. It's done. And you yeah. become really good friends. Yes. Yeah. You become really good friends. And yeah, that was good experience. But surfing I was always there. I always surf. Rode dirt bikes, always surf. Went into boxing. I always surf. I always yeah. went down back to the water. Um, it was a place where I felt peace and happy. You know, getting punched in the head. I didn't like that after a while. 
any of that translate back into the water? Did that ag- aggression you had on the on the on the streets? It, it, it totally did, and also I raced motocross for a lot of years, and that's where my riding to this day comes in. Yeah. I raced a lot, and I I, I really thought that I would be more of the motocross guy and come to California and start racing. But I ended up burning out. Mm-hmm. My dad, you know, I had sponsorships here yeah, where um, local shops would sponsor me. I would have two bikes a year. Wow. You know, six months. I had a bike, you know, the new ones came in. When I graduated, my dad, that crossroad, that intersection, Pops knew that I wasn't going to go to school. He said, why yeah. don't you go race? Just, you know, go to go to California, we'll get you a van, and you start driving around and racing, and maybe work at a gas station for some money, and just mm-hmm. do it. At the time, John DeSoto, I don't know if you heard of John DeSoto, he's a legendary waterman and motocross racer. Okay. He did it in California, he did really well, but you're mm-hmm. talking 70s. Yeah. You know, he was there in the 70s racing for 10 years. I was burnt out, and, and in that intersection of my life, being out of high school, maybe if I had opportunity of a sponsor with bikes, I didn't have to go there and work at a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad told me to go work at a gas station. That turned me off. I was like, there's no way. I'm not going to go there work at a gas station. Yeah. If he, he would have said, hey, maybe find a surf shop, you know, you can work at it. I might, might have went, oh, that seems more casual. I was just, yeah. you know, so crossing that intersection, surfing became more part of me again. And then I saw, I I competed as an amateur in the many who needed boys. And right at my junior years, I, I hated the, I hated the difference between crossing a finish line yep. and getting judged. And I hated that. So I stopped competing and I had a pretty good amateur record competing. So I saw Michael and Dane Kailoa, all these guys I grew up with traveling around the world when I was 18 years old, 19 okay. years old, 20 years old. I kept seeing these guys. Whoa, man, if they can do it, mm-hmm. I can do it. Yeah. You know, so. You're surfing right by, right next to these guys, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, was, one or something. yeah we we're all surfing together and the, these guys started traveling around the world and here i was at home just kind of at the intersection like yeah. what i'm gonna do and my dad got me a job with the city and county and i stayed in the city for about three years but i had one look across the table across the field and i saw what i would look like in 20 years mm-hmm. i exactly saw my future in my boss's hands. And I, I didn't like that. I said, I, I, I can't be here for 20 years. Seemed like infinity. I said, yeah. I can't be here for 20 years, 25 years. There's no way. So quietly I was hating it. Mm-hmm. One random afternoon from, from the city and county, the yard I was working at, picked up the phone at my uh, boss's desk, called, called my dad at home and said, Hey pops, you know, I, um, I've been dealing with this and I want to try and take a leave of absence from, from the city. What do you think? He goes, huh? You know, he was in the fire department yeah. and he goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, I want to surf. I want to <laughs> surf professionally and surfing professionally was like, 
at the infant stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I thought the old school coming out of my dad would be, you know, you'd say, are you kidding? You know, I got you this position. Yep. You got security. You're going to be set the rest of your life. I was expecting that. Yeah. And my heart, I knew what I was going to do. I was just going to listen, write, and go, okay. But he told me the best thing I have ever heard from him. He said, follow your heart. Wow. Follow your heart. A job you can always get. You can always come back and work. But the next question he goes, he says, how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to figure it out. I owned a little truck, sold the truck, bought a ticket. The tour was going to the Stubbies Pro in, in Australia. Yeah. I was surfing. I was, uh, Ben Ipa sponsored me boards. I had surfboards. I had a little sponsorship there. I just needed my ticket and I needed to get there. Yeah. So I got the ticket, had a few bucks in my pocket, went to Australia in 1980, stayed there for about three months, came back broke, but the price tag you put on it, it is, you can't even put a price tag on it till this day. Yeah. Well, I have that story. I have all the good memories went there, you know, had loaf of bread and cheese and cold cuts and you just survive. You just make things happen. You know? Was that the first time you were ever off the island or have you been to like mainland before or anything? I've been to Disneyland as a kid. Okay. So you've been to California. <laughs> yeah. Went to California and I did a trip with Ben, with Ben Ipa to yeah. California. Ben was going up there summertime. He'd always go and shape boards before Australia. So I did one year with Ben, went to California. Yeah. I've never got into a fist fight ever in Hawaii surfing in all my childhood. Yeah. And and if I did, I was ready because I had experience. Right. So in California, <laughs> California, my my first Ben picked me up uh early in the morning. I had a red eye flight, got there at about five, took me straight to Topanga. Oh, okay. And I went to Topanga with Ben and had I had a couple other friends that was hanging out with Ben. We went out and we had twin fans and just like, you know, knee high, yeah, face high waves, but super fun. No one out. Guy on a longboard came out and I dropped in on him, but I was like 10, 15 feet away down the line and left him a lot of space. I went straight, just wiggled, wiggled, wiggled kicked out on the way back out if you know topanga there's that kind of that that, that cobblestone yep. area i don't know if you're still there but yeah piling out and this guy attacked me wow he was saying stuff and i was like oh, oh, oh. you know I was like, sorry man i gave you room there's no one else out here yeah so he jumped on me and he came over my shoulders kind of gave me a bear hug Ben Ipo's on the beach, just screaming. You know, we weren't that far offshore. Yeah. And man, I, I grew up, I grew up kind of in the hood. I yeah. grew up in the hood. Yeah. And this guy was, he would have been, he was a big boy. I remember him being a big boy and he was giving me the bear hug and I slipped my hands down by my feet. I picked up a rock. It was like perfect. Oh, and I started chugging him real short in the back of the head and he let me go and I just finished him wow. because that was the response. It just went boom, 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 boom. And he was, you know, what ready to get knocked off. Ben was screaming to me, stick him again, stick him again. <laughs> I just, I, I, it was like, it was done. 
So other than that, that, that was, you know, my <laughs> first experience fighting in the water in California. Other than that, I had, I made a lot of friends throughout the years and I loved it. I enjoyed California. I really, really did. Hanging out at Huntington and yeah. with, you know, Bat Lamas and all the boys that they were, you know, those guys just brought us in. They okay. had the Aloha. It was good fun. Of my first year going to Australia, I yeah. went over there with Ben and just, you know, tried getting into Stubbies, got in and had an experience. Did the Stubbies Pro, did Bells, and did the the Coke the Coca-Cola Surfabout. Yep. Back yep. At, uh, yeah. In Sydney. Again, got home and had to figure had to figure life out because I wanted to go on tour. Yeah. One thing after another. I was able to put enough little money and loose change together to fly back to California, to fly places. And 82, I did really well at the Stubbies uh, Pro here at home. Matter of fact, at Queens, at my stumping grounds. And mind you, I had a little bit of a break competing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm jumping in from working in the city. I'm back in, and there's Buttons and Derek and Dane, all the, all the boys. Yeah, and I'm I'm the dark horse in this event, and I was so desperate. I needed to win this so I can get a ticket back to Australia, and an invite into the Stubbies Pro. They had two weeks accommodations, a car rental, and I did everything to win that event, which I did. Wow! And that was a breaking point with getting sponsorships and, you know, surfing was just booming at that time in the eighties, right. With companies like over here, locally town and country, locomotion. Yeah. They're blown creation. Up. They're all expanding. And uh, Robbie Burns from locomotion called me up and said, Hey, you know, you interested in writing for us. So we had a chat and negotiated a little deal with them. It was everything that helped. And, you know, went on the road for a little bit and then ended up in Japan that year and picked up a Japanese wetsuit sponsor. Now the Japanese were turning on and they wanted the Hawaiians. They wanted, there's companies out there just, you know, willing to help and put some rubber on you. So when I got, I got that and the rest is kind of, you know, I got the golden ticket. I was yeah, like, you're I, stoked. I, I was like, I was this person, like, almost nervous, like, oh, man, I can't even freaking believe this. Wow. I, I got, I got, I'm getting paid from surfing. I'm going, I'm going places, you know, I'm living my dream. It took me around the world with yeah. a shoestring budget, you know. Do you think money. that that time off helped motivate you to, like, realize there's more in life than working eight to five? A hundred percent. Working yeah. for the city. My job at the city and county, I started off in the parks and rec, and then there was a permanent position that opened up in uh, the wastewater management department. So you got the the honey wagons, which is this this the septic tank uh, yeah. trucks, with trucks. I went right into the 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 septic truck. Oh, I no. went and went to the neighborhood pump all your shit. Oh no! I, I did that for about three years and. And pumping all that shit motivated me to get out of that shit. <laughs> True story. I looked at my bosses and kind of laughed at myself. I was like, fuck, this is it. This yeah, is- that's the shittiest job I'm literally gonna- ever. I'm going to be, you know, drinking beer and 
and that's the future. And I, yeah. I, I thank God that I had that vision and the wisdom to see that, you know, like, oh, there's my future. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get caught up under the coconut easy. tree, hanging out with them and, oh, yeah, you know, paycheck to paycheck. It was not me at all. Yeah. Were you getting like publicity too through the magazines and stuff in their early times or the 80s and so forth? Oh, yeah, I did. I put my head down and you work with photographers and yep. that kind of stuff, mostly in town. But on the North Shore, the the OG photographers were around and I just I just surfed wherever it was good. I surfed, I surfed, mm-hmm. I surfed a lot. Loved it. And with that, you know, you get the shot in the mag eventually. So that helped out a, a lot, understanding that the publications for my sponsors, this is what they get, you know. Do you think that, well, obviously, you being a Hawaiian, it helped you with getting more ways probably at home, which helped. Oh, at home, at home, it was, it, it was automatic. You know, you see, where, yeah. oh, it's automatic. From traveling around the world, yeah. I, I paid respect to the locals. Okay. I understood the etiquette. I didn't go right up to the lineup and think I was King Kong or not, you know. Right. So I built friends that way. Every place I went, I built friends. My first trip to to um, to Australia out at Burley Heads, at that mm-hmm. time it was Burley Heads, was the happening yeah. spot. My first trip there, I... I was ready to scrap. Um, I, I the contest was heading to Bells, but there was a swell coming to Burleys, and we had a window of a few days. And I stayed. I waited for the swell, and I was there pretty much alone. The boys all went to Bells. Yeah. So I was surfing. Got up in the morning. And I was like, "Whoa, it's here!" So I went out, surf, do my thing, and it was like Alamana Bowl. You know, you, there's a pecking order and guys, whatever. They're gonna drop in on you. I had the same guy drop in me like four times. Yeah. I'm like like three times, you're like you're eggy, but the fourth time just straight out burn me. And I think he didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, then it was, you know, the years that Rabbit, Bartholomew, and them got kind of they got beat up here. Yeah. Like, what? I wasn't a part of that. Mm-hmm. Any of that. Any yeah. of that. I, I didn't have anything. I actually really liked Rabbit Bartholomew. Mm-hmm. He was a friend. I wasn't close to him, but in my heart, I really liked the guy. He was cool. Yeah. You know? So I met Burley's, and this guy that kept dropping in on me, I'm going, okay, I'm going to burn you in the next one. See how you like <laughs> back. So I, I paid him back a couple of several times, like stuffed him in a pit. <laughs> yeah, kick out. We're paddling back out. He's looking at me and, you know, saying shit, and, and I do it again. And I oh, do it shit. again. I'm like, fucker, you know how that feel? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great. I got caught out. I got caught out. I got circled out there in the lineup. The boys all kind of circled me and, you know, they're saying stuff. And the the thing that came up that I really realized that, oh, okay, because of Rabbit, what happened to him, these guys, you know, they want to kick my ass, but, yeah, you know, they, whatever. They, they have a lot of, a lot of hard feelings and, yeah, hate for that. So I, I, you know, I wasn't afraid as I was being ganged up on, and I flexed in front of all of them. I just flexed and said, "I'll scrap 
any of you one at a time. But yeah. if all of you going to mob me, I have no chance. I said, go for it. I'm yeah. like, it's up to you guys. You guys can go for it. I'm going to hit one of you, but yeah. I'm going to get beat up. Whatever. I said, whatever. And I pointed to the guy who burned me. And, it, and I said, you, it's because of you. You're the one that was burning me like four times in a row. And you know what you did. You're a punk. I said, I'll, I'll, I want to scrap you first. Mm-hmm. And if I survive you, any of you, and that was like 10, a mob of them. <laughs> and if any of you want to go after, open game. I had that confidence, and I think I scared them away. I said, I'll, I'll, any of you, let's go. I said, right on the beach, but if you guys want to beat the shit out of me, well, yeah. I went back the next year, and then the year after, and the year after, and the year after, these guys from the next year on became good friends with me. To yeah, that's right. Not respecting them. You know, the second year was was a little bit awkward going and they see you. And I'm just yeah. like, you know, etiquette, don't drop in, surf my wave. And eventually, you know, they're like, hey, this guy's not a bad guy. Became mm-hmm. friends with all of them. That's right. Yeah. So, so cool. You know. Yeah. How did you do in that, that first year in Australia? The first year I did horrible. The second year when I, when I got invited back to the Stubbies Pro, mm-hmm. I, I did decent, you know considering i didn't win but yeah no, no. like the this the you have to surf the trials in every event there was a trials and then you meet up with the top 16 just making the trials was a big deal mm-hmm. and the coke classic the coke classic the trials they had a winner in the trials yeah okay and i ended up getting third in the trials and that was very helpful and I, I believe I got like ninth or fifth, something like that in, in the event. So wow. I was right there getting ninths, getting fifths, you know, 17th was not a good result. And along the way, I just told myself that I looked at it and I saw myself living my dream and being very grateful. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter, but it did matter on the result. Of course, you wanted to win, but. Of course. And I did right. not get the result I wanted, which is winning. I would just be, you know, I'm here. Let's let's enjoy this. So I'd have to coach myself. Okay. Let's move on, man. That's just we're we're doing this. Yeah. You know, I came from the honey wagon pumping people's shit. No shit. <laughs> Literally. With yeah. that whole spoon. After a while you get immune, you get good with it. You don't need gloves. Just water, boom, pull that shit and it's splashing on you. Just get to the truck, throw a bucket of water over your head, whatever. <laughs> Oh, and and pro surfing's brand new in the eighties. I mean, it's only oh, right. oh guinea pigs. We're guinea pigs, right? You know, I would look at scores and see pen marks to scratch it out. Oh, really? They've changed the the, the wave. <laughs> Someone would erase change the score, man. So you look at a paper with a score on it. You know, you see a number on it. Yeah. And you flip it around. You'll see what number was in the back. You see it. <laughs> I grew up on the street, man. All those kind of things you learn. Yeah. Flip it around and go, look, how come oh, you change his score? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Whatever it was. Do you think uh, they can get away with that today? I mean, they can't. Obviously, they're punching it on. It's on TV. Yeah, it's on. Different, man. I think they, 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 the, the, the change would be as a friend on the side with an app. When they change, when they mm-hmm. put a score on, he changes it on his app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, give them the 10 of the point. That was a really close one. <laughs> Do you have any rivals on tour at this point? Or is there anybody that you dislike or is there anybody you want to beat real bad? 
you know, you always wanted to beat the the top guys. Of course. You no. Know? Who was uh, like Kern or who was it? Who, who were the top Always guys? was Kern, but even before Kern, it was Mark Richards and yeah, Mark Thompson. and The big, big guys. The big, big guys. Those guys before Kern came on. Kern was just a whole nother level of the golden boy. And, yeah, you know, he was just the guy, you mm-hmm. know. I never became that guy yeah. like, like you that. You kind of were. I mean, there's many. You, you were there. I, You know, it was, was, you know, when I think about it now, I, yeah. I'll share this with my kids that, man, I would say, like, it was funny because I would get third in the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That means I made a final and I made semis. Yeah. And nowadays, if you get third in the triple crown, or you made a final in the quarters or two quarters, you'd be on the world tour. Yeah. Said I would hit that up there at home all the time. And coming into the event, I would be in the lower 20s, and I could never get in the top 16, even with that result. Yeah. So the the number percentages were were different. I'm not going to say off. Yeah, it was different. It just didn't pan out. Needed yeah. a win, win, win to get. It was so hard to get in the top sixteen. Number. You said bells. Like I mean, bells can get big, but it's cold. So how did that? Did that bother you? The cold water. No, it didn't bother at all. Really, honestly, it didn't oh, hinder. Okay. It didn't hinder my surfing. The the rubber wasn't as not as good as the rubber you have now. But yeah, it's not at like all. mentally, it didn't bother me. Yeah, that year that. Simon Anderson on the thruster. Mm. Got huge. I was so pissed because I got eliminated the day before and then that big swell showed up. Mm-hmm. And in my heart of heart, when I look at it, I go, man, I, I, I would have done good. Really it. well, yeah. No, I would have done well in it. Yeah. It was my forte uh, to just go for it. Even though I grew up in on the South Shore yeah. town, surfing small waves, mm-hmm. I reputation became that oh he's a big wave guy and i didn't like that i didn't mm-hmm. like that when when they would you know talk about you he goes yeah you know big wave rider because i was surfing a beach break with shitty waves i felt like it hindered what the judges heard Scott, oh yeah big waves I used, to, I used to like oh man don't say that you know because i grew up in town and i still surf a lot of little waves but uh you know that's history and it's all good. Uh, when you look back at history, your history and your fellow surfers in that age bracket, I mean, I don't know if surfing today can will go down in history as what you guys did. Does that make sense? Yeah. You guys are you guys are this really, it was really different. Yeah. I mean, you guys made surfing what it is today, really. Yeah, we were, we were, you know, whatever word, pioneers or guinea pigs. Pioneers, kids, there you go. You know, it was, it, uh, you know, it was before all these floaties and the floating devices ever came out, right? But leashes came along. Mm-hmm. So that's the same difference. Now we're putting leashes on. The OGs before us would be, why are you putting on that leash? Yeah. You know, I don't get it. That's dangerous. You're, you're, that, that's dragging your board. You know, lose speed. That was the talk. Yeah. You know, so if you put on a leash, it was like, I hope I don't get caught out putting on a leash. <laughs> uh, my answer would be, I don't want to swim. I'm tired of swimming. Anyway, that's the difference now, man. I feel like I'm in shape enough mm-hmm. to surf Waimea. Mm-hmm. 
at 20 foot, but I, I can't go out there because it's too crowded. I, I look at it, I go, oh my goodness. And everybody has a floating device. Yeah. And a lot of that, I understand the safety and the floating device, but not at Waimea. At Waimea Bay, it's just special. You do not need a floating device at Waimea. Yeah, you can say, oh, but this person died and that person died. And for whatever reason, still Waimea. What, so what happens, my point is, it's allowing people to go out there, 60, 70, 80 guys in the lineup, that more than half of them maybe don't shouldn't be up Should there. Be up. Yeah. Whatever the number is, a lot of guys depend on that too much. So, oh, man, I'm going to try and surf why, man. You can see that person that go, wow, this guy shouldn't be out here. I hear the talk by the boys. So many guys out there and so many guys don't belong out there. I go, hey, you guys should kind of do a, a you know. Regulate it? Regulate, like floater, out, 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 get in, floating, you know. Put the word out. I, that was just my opinion, you know. I mean, oh, it's, I think it's everywhere in surfing, though, too, right? Oh, even the beach breaks. Even Huntington Beach gets not with the, not not to the extent of why I'm at, of course. Just being out in the water, I guess that shouldn't be out in the water or paddling out. To oh the yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. I mean, not to the extent, but I see what you're saying. I think it's all through surfing now, maybe. Oh, oh, the beach breaks are gnarly. Huntington and that the under the current and the rip tides and all right. that is really not easy so going way backwards when you're a kid in town you're probably surfing like alamoana or whatever kaisers or i don't know but um it's a pet you work your way i grew up surfing waikiki yeah yeah by the wall with buttons and mark lydell oh wow we we're queens we were waikiki rats. Okay. and then you go to when you go to alamoana there's all the big boys mm-hmm and you mind you, I'm 10, 10 years old, wow. 11 years old, going to Bose and, you know, got Jerry Lopez and Barry mm-hmm. and, and, and a whole nother just group of good surfers, watermen mm-hmm. that didn't yeah. have a name like these guys, but Legend. they're all good. And then you learn to behave yourself, you know, and getting the, the, the lineup and slowly, you know, work your way up. Yeah, and still the pecking order. You still learn to make your wear out. Otherwise, you'll you'll get a slap, or you'll get a verbal, like very strong verbal. Like see that all the time. There was not much talking going on, but there was more like slaps in the head. And are those guys encouraging you though when you were young, the ten paddling out there? Are they like no stuffing you? No, it's one thing that I I I can't say. Yeah, that guy was super. I didn't have that. I, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, it's on your own. You didn't have the uh, encouraging me at all. I didn't have that. Wow. Yeah, I didn't experience any of that. It was all, you know, out of go out of there out of some fear and sneak some waves in and yeah, you know, as you get a little older in your teenage years and you're like, okay, you start I'm becoming the guy. guy. Yeah, become part of the guys and yeah, and I yeah. Uh, so my dream early on as a child was to get an invitation into the Duke Classic. Mm. I was I used to say to Ben, now I'm I'm nineteen, whatever, twenty years old. I used to tell Ben, man, how do I get in, how do I get invited to to the Duke? Yeah, and what do I do? He said, you need to surf 
Sunset, mm. Waimea, and Pipe. But most wherever's on, whenever uh, sunset's closing out, you have to put yourself out there. And I did that really hard. Yeah. Really hard. I went, I surfed a lot of sunset. And whenever white male was up, I surfed it. My favorite spot was Pipe. I loved Pipe. It was, that was, you know, for me, it was my favorite. So I put myself out there for, I don't know, a couple of years and just got the invite. Wow. In between that, I got a couple of results, right? I got a couple of results and got the invite. And right there, it's almost like my dream came true. Mm. I, I didn't really care about any title, but the Duke title. I That's what I wanted. Before Triple Crown started, Yeah, I was like, oh, man, Waikiki boy made it. Yeah. Good. You know, I was like stoked. And I come from a, a big family of cousins and uncles that surf. And mm -hmm. to be so the one that got there. It. And I was kind of the youngest of, of the group. That was a dream come true, getting the invitation. Till this day, having, you know, I still got a trophy here. Let me grab it. I can show it to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, check this out. Wow, that's right. I did the last four events. Okay. Nice. You can see that it looks all tarnished because it is. My house burnt down about three years ago, and these babies survived the fire. Wow, that's awesome. When the house went down. I was like, oh, no, it's pretty sad. And no, of course, my trophies. But yeah, it's, it's, it Dude, those are beautiful. Like, those are priceless. Yeah. So with that, I, you know, my kids got two of them. I think one of them got it, got one and, or two, whatever. But yeah, I'm going to leave that with my kids. Yeah. I mean, and it's going to be passed uh, generation to generation for sure. Yeah. So it was almost like I stopped once I got into the Duke class. In a way of stopping, that was my, my goal and my dream was to get you, it. You've accomplished your goal. Before, before the world tour. It was yeah. like, I got it. This is what I wanted. Yeah. And did I win? No. I made finals. Um, I made two finals at the Duke, Duke Classic out of the four that I did. Mm -hmm. I did the last four. And then they had the Eddie. And then, you know, my name went into the the invitation because we were already invited to the Duke Classic. Yeah, so yeah. They put us in. And um, so the next one became the Eddie which to try and win. But the Duke Classic was even more. There was one year, I believe it was 85, that, you know, it's sub a subjective world. Mm -hmm. it's surfing, surfing is. Yeah. And I came in and, you know, all the boys would say, oh, you won that, you got that. And I felt like I won it. Yeah. I was like, I had the best waves. I got barreled. I got, you know, three solid waves and two backup. You needed five waves. Down to death, crazy. It was five waves. Dane, Dane Kaloha, Michael, Derek, Sean Thompson. I believe it was Simon. It was a six-man final. And Dane was just claiming me to be the winner out there in the water. 
And yeah. I was like, yeah, Dana and I were really close. I ended up getting fifth. Derek, Derek Hole won it. <laughs> it's just part of what I went through. And it was like, you know, I just shrugged my shoulders and went on. Yeah. I, I didn't cry. I was just like, wow, this is surfing. We don't have a finish line. I was just going to say that, yeah. Motocross had the finish line. And that's what I loved about about racing. I loved it because no one can say anything once you cross the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, well, I guess if you box too, it's either you knock the guy out or you don't know who's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. It was like clear. Being at home and, and, and accomplishing your goals was huge. So that's yeah. rare. Yeah, that was that was a, a big <clears throat> one for me. You, how long were you, did you do the tour for? You know, I did about seven years full-time yeah. chasing it. Okay. And then a few more after here and there. I was kind yeah. of getting burnt out. And right when, you know, you meet the wife, you got, you know. And then I'm also looking. Priorities change. Priorities change, but I'm also was looking through the window, mm-hmm. honestly, on what am I going to do here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to the ASR shows, you see yeah. the industry, you're looking around, wow, maybe I might have, I should start, you know, finding a, a, a job within the industry. And um, when I signed my last contract with Locomotion, it was a five-year deal. Okay. At the end of my contract, I get to run, run the team, manage the team, right into still. And so they kept it, and I was, you know, now on a on a salary, and and I was working in the office, just managing surf team surfboards, and the company. We had a lot of surfers on the team. Yeah, we also had windsurfers on the team, mm-hmm. so it was kind of a full time job, communicating with all these guys, handling all the trade ins, you know, okay. making sure the orders are in and boards being made, all that kind of stuff. So I did that for a few years. And then I I got offered uh, a repping job while I was working there. And I was like, yeah, it's something I wanted to venture off to anyway and not get stuck behind in a, on a desk. Yeah, I was more of an outdoor guy. I thought I was going to be making surfboards so at one point. You want to be a shaper? I, I thought I, I would end up shaping. Mm-hmm. And because I worked with a lot of shapers early, early on, I spent numerous hours and years with Ben Ipa in the room. Yeah. Walking design, making, shaping, he's shaping my board from start to finish. Yeah. I'll take it to the glassing room next door and, you know, watch the guy's glass and, you know, say, hey, you know, add another pad here or keep that light. And can you squeeze everything out? You know, kind of yeah. like that. We're allowed to. I went in the shaping room for a little bit, thought I would be able to do this and found out real quickly it wasn't my gift because if <laughs> it's harder than it looks and you got to be yeah. that craftsman. And I saw myself in the room, I don't know, six to 10 hours a day shaping one board. If this, this is going to take me four hours, five hours to make one board, you know, yeah. at the beginning, I'm not going to be able to, to buy eat. diapers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah diapers. You know, I'm not going to be able to, to, to pay rent. Yeah. I saw that. Went into glassing, thought, okay, maybe if I get the production line, set glassing boards, yeah, you know, you can make good money because the boys make good money, mm-hmm. glassing, sanding. Per board, I did, yeah. I did, I had a taste of all of it. Yeah. You know, 
the boys, yeah, come to home. We'll teach you how to do this. Come try this. And yeah. I tasted everything in, in the factory. And man, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like yeah. what I was breathing. Uh, oh, the no. outside was like really scary. It scared me enough to where I said, no. So I went into wrapping in the industry and yeah. and finally went on my own in 95, 94, 95. I started my own clothing company because I looked at the guys who, in the early years, Quicksilver, Rip Curl, yeah. in down to their neck of the woods and how they started. I go, wow, man, if they, they started, they can do this. Why not me? Mm-hmm. You know? It is 95, man. In the 80s, you could print anything on, everything was selling in the industry, right? Everything. Everything was just selling. Surfing was hot. Yeah, it was hot. Anyway, jumped into it. Did pretty well with my label, Mm -hmm. Faith Writing Company. Yeah. Built it up to about a million dollars in sales. Got subpoenaed. Was getting sued by a manufacturer. I hit a couple more walls with with manufacturers not putting out my product, getting the right things done, you know, the quality control. And I just got frustrated at that million-dollar range of sales. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on a treadmill that was spinning way too fast for me. Where, I, you know, I was on – I needed six legs. I was on two, three. Yeah. Going, throwing batons, you know trying to get money from Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I looked at the number. I go, wow, this is pretty good, but it's just kind of, but you know, fair warning. I had, I had some, some business advisors in the industry saying, Hey, you go slow, you know, do this, do that. I didn't listen too well. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear too well. And I went bigger, bigger, bigger. And so the company's alive today, but more through the surf school. Okay. Yeah. You know, more through the surf school and, we got two locations down on the beach, one right directly on the beach, and that one's Fate Surf School Hawaii. We have, you know, T-shirts and stuff that we still yeah. do. So the pilot light is on. I kept that on in case any of my kids or someone want to get into it that has yeah. four to stand on. We have one at the Billabong store, Moniz Family Surf. That's that's the name of it. Actually, this shirt right here. Yeah. Uh, after getting subpoenaed, almost getting sued or getting sued, I was like, oh, man, I'm I'm gonna go, you know, I I I don't have any more energy, pretty burnt out. I'm gonna teach people how to surf. Guess what? Yes. It's like going on the Ferris wheel ride. It's like going to the theme park. They pay and they play and we and you get paid. Send <laughs> them a couple ways. We yeah, everybody happy. Right. And I get cash in my hand. I was like, Wow, this is good. I like yes. this. <laughs> you enjoyed that. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. And then, you know, as I went on, the money wasn't the thing. It was more giving giving the experience to the person who saved for a lifetime to come to Hawaii for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Understanding that. Well, I just love that. And um, to this day, that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. canoes and all that. And my two older boys, they're they're at the beach now. They're they're teaching and they're following the footsteps and they realize how, how hard it is. It's not easy work all day in the sun, you know. Keep it sounds fun, day. but it, it can get long and hard. It, it can get long, yeah. yeah. You can get, they, they get eggy like any other. I say, well, you can go dig holes and do construction. Of course, you know, yeah. they know that's not what they're going to do. But so yeah, speaking of your, of your kids, all your kids, did they all compete in surfing? They all surf though, right? 
Yeah, everyone competed. My my older son, Micah, he's what thirty two now. Mm-hmm. He he played around in the amateur division. Kind of such a good, talented boy. He was he's a big boy. Okay, he's a big boy. So I gave them the opportunity on the same platform. Okay, that if they wanted to compete, go for it. So they all he everybody competed in all the the fun events, and then it got serious into NSSA, hostels and that, and that's where I had anchored down and said, well, you guys going to do this, you're going to start training. We're going to start filming. We're going to start practicing. Mm -hmm. And because money's going to be put out, and I got to buy you surfboards, and we're not going to do this because you just want to go play with your friends and compete and get a goodie bag and a T-shirt. No, we're going to go in it to win, and I'm going to teach you how to do it. So there's a lot of years of coaching and to coach your own child is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I, I had my, my two older ones, they were over it on me trying to coach them. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, time goes on. No, I totally get it. There's a few things now that go, they, they'll say a few things Dad, I wish I listened to you. Of course. My, my oldest one is boxing. He's into boxing. Yeah. He loves the training. He loves doing it. He goes, you know, I wish I would have listened to you and go to the gym and, and, and box early. I go, it's okay, man. You're doing it now. You know, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't your time back then, mm-hmm. but he, he does that and has a family. He enjoys it. He actually had, he had a real match about a couple of, a few months ago. And um, I got to go watch him in the ring. Wow. And was that, that, was, was that cool or was that scary for you? Was, was that cool for me? I was like, it was but cool. Before he went in, I said, "You need to be a hundred percent trained up and know that you're going to go in and win. You can't go okay, in yeah. there saying I'm not, I'm not going to win. You're going to hurt yourself, and it's yeah. a bummer losing." Yeah. So he went in. He got he got those good competition. I'm going to say he got rocked in his first round, wow. saved by the bell. Okay, came into the corner. We were all standing by the corner. Myself and Seth. He looked at Seth. This is him talking, he goes, man, I looked at Seth, and Seth was like, Michael, come on. <laughs> and so he just went, clicked. He had the minute to rest. Yep. Went in the next round and dropped the guy and just kind of dominated. Really? The next wow. two rounds, yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That's- still doing it just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it Was that a two-minute round or was that a three-minute round? Two-minute. Two-minute Yeah, round. amateur. Two minutes seems like. But well, it's a long time. All time swinging. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. Uh, I, I don't think most of us realize really how long it is. But, yeah. And then the other kids are they're still competing, some of them? Yeah. So moving moving with yeah, Josh and Seth. Josh is on that um what do you call it, challenger series? Challenger series. Yeah. You know, he broke his neck oh, a year shit, and a year know. and a half ago, just free surfing in Portugal. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Number seven and six. Wow! And it was a scary moment, but he's back. He's back. He's healthy. He's moving. And then sets on the on the dream tour. Part of that, he made the cut for the top twenty, barely, but made it. So he's off to the ranch. Uh, the next event. Wow! They're both full time. My daughter was a very very gifted surfer mm-hmm. at a young age. She was very like. You just saw it on her. 
Mm-hmm. Just exceptionally gifted with longboarding. From the yeah. moment I saw her on a longboard when she's you there, knew? I knew she just kind of dad started and yeah, kind of grace. And she grace. was a great shortboarder too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she shortboarded really well. And she did some of the, she did, I think, one or two years at NSSA. She was 14. She won, she won a title mm-hmm. on a shortboard. And it was Coco Ho in that final and some of the hot girls at that time. Yeah. She came in and told me, Dad, I hope you don't see me going on the girls tour, shortboard tour. That's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, girl, I've never, ever forced you to compete anywhere. Mm-hmm. This is all you're doing. I support you. I said, you don't have to do the tour. It's not what I'm looking at at all. So what do you want to do? You know, it's the next question. What do you feel? Yeah. What do you want to do? And Roxy just sponsored her. She said, I, you know, I just want to go to school and, you know, just surf for fun. I just want to surf. Yeah. She was an excellent longboarder. I said, oh, just go play on your, your longboard and have fun. Mm-hmm. The timing was perfect because Roxy was, again, transitioning back to fun in the sun and marketing. Yes. The relatable market with girls can, you know, don't have to be there. You, you don't have the shortboard girl that they yeah. can only do that. So, yeah, her timing was great. And Roxy saw that in her mm-hmm. and said, yeah. Roxy longboard event that came came to Waikiki when she was before she even got sponsored by Roxy before yeah. this she was 14 and she comes up to my showroom I had a little showroom in Waikiki dad I want to go surf in this event I want to I want to enter it's a longboard Roxy Pro and she had been like 12 13 she's young mm-hmm. and I said well, why do you want to compete in it because you know it was like I think membership and now it was like 200 300 bucks Ooh. I said what do you want to do this you want to you want to get the goodie bag and tell your friends that you surf in the Roxy pro, yeah. you know, she goes, no, no, I, I know I can, I know I can win it. And I said, Oh, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. I said, are you serious? You, you want to go in it to win it? I said, that's the only way I'll pay. Mm-hmm. So she went in and she did really well. And yeah, Roxy was like, Hey, we won her. She was surfing for, uh, Billabong picked up all five of my kids. We're all on Billabong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister was, we heard that Kalia was the shortest team rider in the history of the company. <laughs> I think it was two months in. Wow. <laughs> Roxy came along. And then I, I spoke, you know, to the Roxy team manager. It was a girl. And I said, hey, you know what? What? Trying to figure it out. What What does it look like for Kalia here with billabong because you know we got approached by roxy and roxy wants to do this and this and this i said is there any kind of future and her answer was i don't really have an answer but maybe we'll wait until she's 18 Mm -hmm. and that was the answer of saying you know we're we're moving because this little girl loves roxy and she wants to be a roxy rider yeah so we went on with roxy and the rest is history and you know she became that roxy yeah Get Roxy person. She uh, is married, got two kids, a son and a daughter. They're the boys, two and a half years old. Honolivai and the daughter is maybe eight months now. Seven, mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the husband is 
uh, Italian man from New York. When I oh, think of wow. New York Italians, I think of Al Capone. <laughs> you know, you go. Yeah. <laughs> and they knew each other for a while, but so that's her life. And beautiful, beautiful person, Joe. And they lived down the road from us. I just love it. I love yeah. where I'm at. And they work really good together. She's still doing all the Roxy things and collaborating with other companies and doing what she does, what she loves. You yeah. Know? So you think you taught all, all your kids to do what you, they enjoy, what they love? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it was always something that I, because of my experience, yeah. my journey, I just always instilled that you have to go at something you love because you don't want to, even if you went to school, you had to like what you're going to get into because I hear it too often that I hate what I do. I, people are miserable. They're just not yeah. what they do. You got to love what you do. And, and, and that was what I did, you know? Yeah. The money will come later. You'll, you'll figure it out. Always, always kind of be like, it's not, yeah, it's about the money, but you, if you're chasing the mighty dollar, you're going to miss it. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Well, you do the surf school. Do the tourists know who you are or, or the Moniz family? The Moniz family's gotten out there. And, you know, with social media, everybody yeah, will check up on you and see how many stars you got. So that helps a lot. Yeah. And, you know, some do, some don't. Mm-hmm. And we treat them all VIP. They come. Yeah, that's rad. They, that's awesome. Yeah. And you, you get the ones that come in and, you know, they're – the starstruck ones. If that's right. That's, yeah, that was my kind of a question. They're just like psyched to be there. And, yeah. You know, you're like, ah, me, you don't take pictures. And that's right. That's awesome. I, I love that. Yeah. Tony Moniz, thank you so much for coming on the Quivercast. I'm so stoked. Right on. I love my, my fun. Awesome. Thank you again. This is Mike and Tony Moniz, and we're out of here. Point, point, point.
Hey, you guys, Endless Summer box set. This thing is legit. It's authentic, numbered certificate in it. It has a five-frame film strip. From the original print, you will literally own a piece of history. It has a specially minted bronze medallion. Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.